I'm going to start today with a sermon series that will take place every time I give a sermon, which during the summer is going to be about four times, this month and next month in the beginning of September. And the title of the series is Constructing a New Faith-Filled You. And the first sermon for today is titled Building a Life that Really Matters. An invitation. It's key words. Invitation. The sermons are going to generally follow the constructing of a building. But instead of constructing a building, we will be constructing a new faith-filled life. We've all thought about changing something about ourselves for the better. Going back and changing some aspect of ourselves. Well, starting today, we can do just that. We can increase, expand, and become more knowledgeable about our faith. However, before we start to do any of that, we have to accept an invitation before we begin the construction. We are all aware about invitations. We get them all the time in the mail. A new store or restaurant is opening, and they want us to stop on by. And we have a family member or a friend who's getting married, and we've been asked to go to the celebration. Our high school class is having a reunion, and we are invited to attend. I don't know about you, but those have always been a disaster for me. (laughs) Hardly a day passes without somebody requesting our presence. Yes, there are a lot of different types of invitations and a lot of different outcomes from those invitations. A preacher received an invitation to go horseback riding with a devout member of his congregation. The member told the preacher that he had a special horse he wanted him to ride. That when he said, praise the Lord, the horse would go forward. And when he said, amen, the horse would stop. So the preacher mounted the horse and said, praise the Lord. And lo and behold, the horse started to move forward. And then they went for a ride in the nearby hills and mountains. When they wanted to stop for lunch, the preacher said, amen. And once again, lo and behold, the horse stopped. After lunch, they took off again. And once again, the the preacher said, praise the Lord. And the horse started up again. Well, they were going up into the mountains, and all of a sudden, the horse started running. And he started running right at the edge of a cliff. It was on a narrow mountain trail. And it was very clear that for whatever reason, that horse wasn't going to stop. The preacher got all excited and pulled the reins and said, Whoa! And then he remembered, and he said, Amen! And the horse stopped this far from the edge. He was so relieved. He held his hands looked up to God and said, praise the Lord. Well, there is one invitation of a divine kind that cuts through history and transcends time. It is from Jesus Christ. It has our name on it. It's an invitation to follow Jesus Christ. An invitation to become his disciple. 
None other than Jesus Christ is requesting our presence. We are told that that presence will involve a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute relationship with him. The invitation can be broken down into three steps in order to accept it. The first is to come and see. Many of you here today have already done this. In the Gospel according to John, in chapter 1, when Jesus was the new prophet on the block, he started hanging out with John the Baptist, and they hung out at the River Jordan. One day, some of John's disciples were following Jesus to check him out. They were curious about this new guy who had arrived. As they followed him from a distance, Jesus turned to them and said, What are you looking for? And they asked, Where are you staying? And Jesus said, Come and see. After spending the day with Jesus, these two gentlemen came to believe that he was the truly long-awaited Messiah. Come and see. Now, some of us feel a little uncomfortable when we first come into a house of God, including this house. We don't know the songs that are sung, but that's okay because some of us believe, no, some of us know, like me, we're lousy at singing. We may not be familiar with the prayers that are prayed. We may not be familiar or understand the order of worship. Yet, yet, something inside of us is saying there is something here. I want to know about that something. Could the meaning of our lives for which we have been searching for all of our lives be found here? Well, we are all welcome to come and see. Check out the situation. Survey the territory. Is this the place of the construction site where we will build our new spiritual life? I certainly hope so. Take your time. Ponder the possibilities. Live with the reality. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. It may just lead you to more than you can imagine. The second step in the acceptance is to rise and follow. I'll never forget an experience that I have had in my life. A group of us had been traveling around Israel. And we came to the headwaters of the Jordan River, which flows directly out of the Sea of Galilee. This is the same river in which Jesus was baptized. As a matter of fact, my good friend Carl here baptized another very good friend right at that spot and that time. The Sea of Galilee was also the body of water upon which fishermen were casting their nets when Jesus, according to the Gospel of Luke, came by and said to them, Come, follow me. They left their nets. They left their entire past lives. And they followed him. Other disciples were invited to follow Jesus using the same words, Follow me. Come, follow. Was there ever an invitation more profoundly simple and more simply 
profound. That invitation is actually one that was made to all of us many centuries before Jesus. When God said to the prophet Jeremiah in our first scriptural reading from the Old Testament, Before I formed you in your womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. For you shall go out to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. To follow is to go, to move, to come after, to comprehend, to comply, to pursue a calling that is greater than ourselves. Immediately and without hesitation, the disciples followed Jesus. Immediately, without any hesitation. I would have asked, well, uh, how far are we going? How long will it take? What's the compensation package? What are the benefits? But they, they just started walking. Now, I have never followed someone like we are to follow Jesus. But I have put my life in someone's hands on more than a few occasions. Some of the more dramatic ones, I've already talked stories about this, is when I go helicopter skiing. And yes, I do put my life in the hands of the helicopter pilot who is trained specifically to fly in mountains in bad weather to take us up to the top of a mountain. But that's not the one I'm going to talk about. Because once we are out of that helicopter, then the helicopter guide takes over. And he or she looks at the terrain we're to ski and says, you know, over there may be a covered crevasse. On that aspect of the slope, maybe an avalanche. And if they're trees, look out for the tree wells. And then he or she says, follow my tracks. Follow me. Don't stray. So she takes off. And then we take off. And it's so tempting. This beautiful virgin snow over here with no tracks. Beautiful virgin snow over here with no tracks. But you follow and do what you were told to do. Now, I will admit, there have been times that I haven't done that, and I've been in a few problems. But every year, I hear, hear about people who go way off track, and the crevasse opens up. The avalanche falls, and the tree wells swallow yet another skier. You know, one puts one's life in the hands of others every day. Driving down a multi-lane highway, you have absolute faith that the cars coming towards you are going to stay on the other side of that little tiny yellow line. Right? When we fly, we assume that the vast number of people that are involved have all done their jobs correctly, so the plane is going to stay in the air. When we are in a high-rise building, like I am four days out of the week, I once again assume and rely upon the designers, the constructors, 
the maintenance people, the security people, that all of them have done their job correctly so I can stay safe way above the ground. My question is, if we are willing to turn our lives over to so many different people in so many different situations, then why aren't we turning those same lives over to God and letting Jesus Christ lead us in the living of those lives? Why? Or why not? If someone asked us today, are we a Christian? Who would most likely say, yep, we are. By choice or by chance, we are Christians, as opposed to being a Jew, a Hindu, or a Muslim. We were born into, or maybe we made a passing decision one day, to be a part of the Christian faith. But if we were asked a different question, it becomes intensely personal. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Where he leads, will you follow? It is that personal relationship that Jesus sought to have with those fishermen on that day. We can all have such a day. It was a turning point in the lives of those fishermen, and it can be a turning point in each one of our lives. It can be the beginning of rebuilding, constructing our faith-filled lives. Today, right now, God is saying, God is inviting us to come. Come follow me. Build a new life in me. The third step is to fully comprehend the commitment we are making when we become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Come and follow me, Jesus says. On one hand, it seems like such a simple invitation. But on the other hand, it seems like such an enormous task when one begins to understand the implications it demands. It demands a radical response from us. Follow me, Jesus calls out to Peter, James, and John as they fish. Come, he challenges them. Leave your fishing. Leave your livelihood. Leave your families. Leave your life as you presently understand it. And follow me. Follow me on an unknown road. Follow me in a radically new and different way of life. Now, Christ's invitation to us prevents a dilemma. Not only for his first disciples, but for us also. Are we willing to trust Jesus Christ and to follow him, leaving the ways of the world? Are we willing to follow him and leave behind our world of fear, hatred, and violence? Are we willing to follow him and seek something more than the superficial pursuits and pleasures many of us have, me included? Are we willing to follow him and set aside our destructive habits and our sinful ways, even casting aside our lives of guilt and regret? To follow Jesus Christ means searching for an eternal meaning in our prosperous 
yet shallow society. To follow him implies entering into and becoming one with his love and finding rest for our souls. To follow Jesus will lead us into his house of peace, which surpasses all understanding. And into a secure home where unending grace reigns, even in the darkest moments of life. The invitation can be intimidating, yet simultaneously it can be and is beautiful. The noted author Henry Nguyen writes, To live in the world without belonging to the world, this summarizes the essence of spiritual life. The spiritual life keeps us aware that our true house is not the house of fear in which the powers of hatred and violence rule, but the house of love, where God resides. This is far easier said than done. In our second, in our second scriptural reading for today, for Matthew, a clearly faithful and wealthy man comes to Jesus and asks, what do I need to find eternal life? He had kept all the commandments, which is not an easy thing to do. And apparently led a very righteous life. But Jesus gives the same invitation to him that he gives to all of us. Follow me, but, but, only after you sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. The man could not part with all of his wealth. And while grieving, he walked away from the invitation of Jesus. Are we that person? Jesus Christ's invitation does not call us to abandon the world, becoming hermits in some isolated mountaintop. Instead, he invites us to live fully in the world, but not be of this world. What does that mean? To live in this society, but to realize that all our worldly possessions are not ours, but belong to God. Of course, as followers of Christ, we live in the world as other people do. But we follow the beat of a different drummer. We look at life from a different perspective. We possess a bright, remember the hymn that was sung? We possess a bright light in the midst of a dark and often confused nation and world. Wherever injury hurts, we forgive and we heal. When doubt persists, we plant seeds of faith. Where sadness overwhelms, we share the strength and the power that only Jesus can bring. When darkness threatens, we shine forth with the light of Jesus Christ. We speak the truth to power. Yes, we all have been given many gifts. But if you've heard me say too many times, we are to use those gifts in God's service. That is why we have been given those gifts. Follow me. It's an exciting invitation into a new way of life. Into a dynamic, vibrant life in Jesus Christ.
And the most exhilarating aspect of that existence is that no exterior unexpected event can pull us away from that new life. Whether a sudden illness, an unexpected tragedy, a heart-rendering disappointment, none of these has the power to overcome the strength of a life full of Jesus Christ. A reconstructed, rebuilt life of Jesus Christ. So I have a question for all of you. Will we accept this invitation and begin to construct or reconstruct our life in Jesus Christ? If so, then let the construction begin. Amen.